Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It's a little bit different. The podcast schedule is different, obviously, because we played in the Europa League last night. We beat Cologne 3-1, but that in itself wasn't the big story. What happened before the game, inside the stadium, outside the stadium, during the game, with fans, with tickets, with stewarding, with policing... Well, that was unusual, to say the least. It's been a very long time since we've seen scenes like that at Arsenal, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in the Emirates era. So we're going to try and examine it from the various viewpoints, uh, from Arsenal fans' point of view, from the Cologne point of view, from people who are inside the stadium and outside the stadium. Uh, And we'll touch on a bit of the football as well, because obviously uh, it was a good win in the end, a 3-1 win, a bad first half, but a good second half. Uh, some some good goals and some positives to take from that and obviously there's a game against Chelsea coming up this weekend and we'll we'll try and touch on that one as well but look I'm gonna keep waffle to an absolute minimum here I've got three guests to get through between now and the end of the show and I'm going to start with uh, James who joins me every Monday of course for the Arscast Extra he was there last night you might have seen some of his videos uh, from inside the ground not long before the actual schedule kickoff was due to take place and the ground was completely empty. It was all a bit eerie. Uh, and he saw what went on from a first-hand point of view. Good morning, James. Good morning. In the cold light of day, how do you view what went on last night in terms of just in terms of what happened, let's say, inside the ground, leaving aside what happened outside and, and everything else, what was your overall feeling on how it went inside the ground from somebody who was a little bit detached from it you're in the press box but from an Arsenal fan's point of view uh, well it was a sharp sort of antithesis to the stale environment we've experienced in the Champions League in recent years you know fans turning up to go through the motions of group games it was it was a, a surreal experience to see all these Cologne fans descend on the ground and sort of I, I guess their sheer enthusiasm for the fixture we haven't seen that in a group stage game for a long time in terms of the safety element before the game I, I was I was pretty concerned because I was watching Cologne fans kind of hurdling into the away end from the home end uh, I was watching stewards be overpowered and I was thinking I don't know if this is going to go ahead once it did you have to say with the exception of a, a couple of flares which we've seen on European nights at Arsenal before it was actually 
pretty well managed and pretty well behaved. And as far as I can gather, there was no real trouble in the immediate aftermath of the game too. I think a few of the pubs around the ground closed to kind of help lock that down. So as Arsene Wenger put it in his press conference, if there's no trouble after the game, I guess it was the right decision. Uh, you know, I think I think it, a bit like the game itself, we kind of got away with it. Yeah, I mean, that was something I spoke to Amy Lawrence uh, before I spoke to you, and she used the word luck uh, mm. qu- quite a few times. And I think there was an element of luck, and there was an element of, well, this is the best worst scenario that we have, because had they decided, let's say, to call the game off, all of a sudden you've got lots of unhappy Arsenal fans. Uh, there were obviously some very unhappy Arsenal fans anyway, because the tickets that they bought, uh, there were Cologne fans in their seat. The family enclosure was taken over. Lots of people with kids decided that this was not an environment in which they felt safe for their kids, even if things passed yeah. off more or less peacefully throughout. But you can completely understand why they wouldn't want to see that. Uh, but had they decided to call it off and all of a sudden you've got lots of angry Arsenal fans because the game's not on, lots of unhappy Cologne fans because the game's not on, the potential for it to to spark even further, I think, was there. Uh, and under the circumstances, it seemed like the the best option. Yes, I think I think it probably was. I think how do you disperse that many people if the problem is the sheer, the, the sheer size of the crowd that's assembled? I think dispersing it is arguably as difficult, especially when they're all pretty pissed off that they've flown so far to come and see a game that you've cancelled. Leaving aside, of course, the scheduling problems it would have given both clubs in terms of trying to replay the fixture another time, I think that was another big factor in the the discussions um, about how how to actually proceed. Uh, But yeah, I I, I do understand the Arsenal fans, especially if you have kids. I think, you know, rightly or wrongly... uh, you know, top football clubs are a family environment now. I think rightly, you know, I think that you should, you should be able to bring your kids to the game and I can understand that that would have been a pretty intimidating scenario um, and a pretty inconvenient one just in terms of the delayed kickoff time. I think a lot of parents with kids probably thought, look, if I bring my kids to this, I'm not going to get home till such and such a time. I think a lot of people probably turned away. Um, it was interesting around us, around the media sort of area, there were Cologne fans kind of dispersed, like dotted here and there. And it was interesting watching the different reactions of some Arsenal fans. You know, some were pretty content to let them be. Others were kind of demanding their removal. Stewards did actually take a few out during the course of the game, but it was uh, it was a protracted process. It took a long time. It took about six stewards to remove each Cologne fan. So it, it didn't <laughs> happen very quickly. Um one thing I've found interesting this morning is I've seen the club kind of saying, you know, a lot of these tickets were sold by touts. And that's probably true, but looking at the way in which it was kind of coordinated, how so many of the Cologne fans seem to be concentrated in the clock end in some way, shape or form, I think there must have been a bit more to it than that. I do wonder, you know, how many of these Cologne fans picked up memberships and were able to acquire tickets that way, because it just seems almost too coincidental for them to be concentrated in one area. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair to the club, they released a statement this morning saying that no memberships... were sold after or no memberships given after the draw were able to buy tickets for that particular game yeah that's what they've said this morning so uh, there were no tickets on general sale either so i think there's obviously an awareness of where the away fans are going to be in the stadium and obviously Mm -hmm. you you get your ticket where you can get your ticket i think there are big issues to to uh to sort out in terms of touting and that's you know the people that are on the streets before the games but also the online touts the people that sell tickets through these 
semi-legitimate ticket websites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, that's a way through which um, people are getting tickets, and obviously a way through which uh, some Arsenal fans are d- dispensing their tickets as well. Um, I, I think what what stood out right was was the fact that this was so far removed from anybody's modern experience of football. Mm. Because it has become, whether you want to call it sanitized or not, and it's it's clearly very different from what it used to be. Uh, it's safer, it's more family-friendly, as you say, and away fans are here, the vast majority of the home fans surround them, and that that's kind of it. But it was so far removed from anything anybody has ever experienced, particularly at the Emirates. There's never been a situation like this before that... I guess it just became, it was so unusual that it was almost impossible not to think the worst of what might happen in the end with a bit of luck and with a bit of, I guess, sensible management of the situation because we make the point that, you know, had it been Arsenal fans abroad acting that way, I think the truncheons and everything else would have would have been out much more quickly. So there's some credit yeah. due in that regard too. I think so. And I think I think you're right. I think it was shocking uh, the thing is about that word, it has such a sort of <laughs> pejorative tint to it. When people hear the word shocking, they're like, oh, it must be bad. I think it was just such a surprise to see that descend on the Emirates. And I, I said in one of my videos that it felt like an invasion, and it really did. It really recolored the whole night, the whole atmosphere. Well, the colour was the same, red and white, thankfully. But apart from that, and I, uh, yeah, I, it... it it, it it wasn't in it, it actually as english fans as arsenal fans it's actually quite difficult to interpret it i think because it is just such a different culture of support that exists in germany mm. at the moment um and it feels so alien it feels so alien that we, we we're inherently suspicious of it and i do think that it shouldn't be overlooked that however brilliant an atmosphere Cologne brought, and they did, and I have to give a big credit to their fans, you know, the support they show in terms of singing throughout the game and things like that is amazing. I do think along with that, they did bring certain security concerns, certain risks. You know, I don't think they respected uh, the stadium as perhaps they much, uh, perhaps as much as they should have done. And I don't think that can be overlooked at all. And I think Arsenal will have to sort of, you know, consider how they're going to deal with problems like this in the future. But I think as well, I think our fans do deserve some credit. You know, I know we're a very civilised bunch for the most part, but the Arsenal fans behaved pretty impeccably on the night. And there was very little disgruntlement about, you know, the hour delay, about crowds being held back. Um, and I think, you know, in all the talk about the Cologne fans, I think the Arsenal fans probably deserve a pat on the back for helping the night to go as smoothly as possible in the circumstances. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, to be honest. You know, it is being overlooked the way that, you know, in the end, it was the Arsenal fans who were inconvenienced by this. And I, I think you can make a really good case for a game like this where you could say, well, look, the interest from Arsenal fans is not as big as it is for a Champions League game, etc., etc. There's huge interest from Cologne let's give them a bigger allocation let's make sure. that better atmosphere um because i think for the for the most part the majority of those cologne fans were there to have a good time to try and get into a big big game for them there were there's always going to be an element who will cause a little bit of trouble but i think that's why they were there and i think what the club have got to do the club uefa everybody has to look at this and say how can we enable it 
how can we enable a better atmosphere at these games by giving a bigger allocation, by allowing more tickets to be sold to away fans? And on the flip side of that, they, they have to do likewise for Arsenal fans, perhaps who want to travel abroad and who want to create that kind of an atmosphere when they go to away games too. I mean, I think there are lessons to be learned here, um, you know, when it comes to the management of, of football fans, that in some ways they are treated like cattle, and and nothing better than that. And that's, you know, in England, it's abroad. Uh, and I think fans deserve a little bit better than that. And as we saw last night, um, Arsenal fans deserve credit for, for not reacting in a negative way because um, it really could have happened that way had there been a, a bit more aggression. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about maybe increasing the allocation. I think it was 3,000 tickets they were actually permitted, Cologne. But I have to say, as an Arsenal fan, I love, you know, when we have the domestic cup games uh, and we give a team kind of, you know, that whole lower tier area behind the goal, it always creates a really cracking atmosphere. And while I'm not up for Arsenal fans necessarily losing their seats, if Arsenal fans want to be in the ground, fantastic. But we could have afforded to give Cologne a bigger allocation last night. I don't think we would have sold our Arsenal allocation or we would have sold it, but it wouldn't necessarily have been full. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would be I would be in favour of that because... You know what you have to say, almost as a side note, is that what it did create last night was an extraordinary spectacle, and I'm sure a lot of people who probably even aren't Arsenal fans or Cologne fans tuned in on television because they wanted to see that atmosphere, and uh, that's something that you wait for. Clubs will certainly be interested in if they're trying to raise the prestige of this competition. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll see what what plays out and how it plays out over the. Uh over the coming days and, and what they might put in place for uh, for games in the future. But look, we'll leave you there and we'll chat on Monday after yes. after the Chelsea game on Sunday. How, how are you feeling about that? And just very quickly, on the back of what was a good second-half performance from Arsenal, you know, is that a positive we can take into this one? Is there something we can learn from that second half? I mean, I'm fascinated by the whole formation issue. That was my yeah. big takeout from the game. You know, Arsene Wenger switch to a back four again against Cologne. I just think, is he getting close to ditching it? And for me, it's become less about if we need three central defenders and more about if we need three central midfielders. For me, that's kind of the, yeah. the situation, you know. Mm, I agree with that entirely. I think uh, I think the midfield situation is the key one that we have to address. And, uh, uh, you know, going back to a back four so early in, in that game, it wasn't like the last 20 minutes. It was a halftime change. It was a very deliberate change, and it worked, and it was a positive change. So I do wonder if that's mm. that's the way we're going to go. But look, we'll chat about that and everything else that happens at Stamford Bridge on Sunday on Monday morning. Until then, um, see you later. Bye-bye. Okay, to get the other perspective on what happened last night in terms of the Cologne fans, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Archie Rind-Tut, who's a journalist. He lives in Cologne. He spoke to Cologne fans last night. He's uh, on a train right now back to Cologne, I believe. Archie, how are you? Hi, Andrew. Yes, I am indeed. Just slowly making my way back, and I've already seen a few... uh uh, Cologne fans who, who look slightly worse for wear from the whole <laughs> London affair, shall we say, in terms of uh, alcohol-related. But uh, but yes, just slowly plying back towards Cologne now. Okay, well that's not that's not uncommon among football fans after a, an away <laughs> trip to a European game. But I think what what, what I want to get a, a hold of is uh, you you wrote a really good thread on Twitter um, about what happened last night and. 
from a Cologne point of view, can you explain to us how big a game this was? Because Arsenal fans are used to being in Europe. There was... Uh, or has been over the last number of years a sort of growing indifference to the Champions League in the group stages at least it's sort of been there done that worn the t-shirt over and over again and and certainly with the Europa League as well it feels like a step down and some people are are even more indifferent to what's going on uh, on the European stage this season but for Cologne fans this was a big big deal can you explain to us exactly why? Yes, the, the, the word indifference uh, has not been used in Cologne in the last few months, particularly not when it comes to FC, as they are known uh, in, in the city, just because it's been 25 years, it's been well publicised since they last qualified for the UEFA Cup as it was then, the Europa League as it is now. And fans have really had to put up with some, some tough times for what is a big club, a, a club that had and was competing for the Bundesliga earlier in its uh, in, in in terms of the 70s and the 80s. It, it won the first Bundesliga in the 60s. Mm. Um, so so as a result, that there is that, that weight of tradition that, that weighs heavy upon them. And so finally, for a group of players to be able to release that and, and to relieve that was huge. I, I really can't put too fine a point on how big a deal it was that they did qualify. The fact that there were thousands of fans invading the pitch when they did do it against Mainz in the summer and also coming five years after their fifth relegation in the space of, I think, 20 years it's been, um, even if you count up to now. So I think that whole impact, they are a unbelievably committed support. It, it is a one-horse town in terms of Cologne as a place. So no surprise at all that so many travelled. And to be honest, Andrew, I, I expected more to travel, such as being the interest in Cologne. Wow. Wow. I mean, there, there was obviously far more fans there than, than had tickets. We, that was apparent from very early on in the day. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure how many more fans there were than than tickets. And, and there's been a lot said in terms of how many fans that I've seen it written that 20,000 fans kind of all headed to the Emirates. I don't think that's true. Mm. I think that you, you just had a hell of a lot of Cologne fans who were who, who, who went there but had tickets through Arsenal fans who they had bought over the internet. Uh, yeah, well, it the- was not. It was not. It was not 20,000 fans for me that were all going and trying to storm that, sure. that away block. Okay, yeah, that, that, that's the difference. What I meant is that there were more Cologne fans there than had tickets allocated to Cologne fans. I don't mean that there were so many ticketless fans. Clearly, they did get tickets uh, in the Arsenal end, and, and that was an issue. I mean, from speaking to those fans, do you think they were prepared for the reaction that this, uh, this situation uh, created? Because it's not something that we ever see really in English football anymore. It's certainly not something that's been seen at the Emirates Stadium before. There is very strict segregation, as we know, in English football. Away fans are corralled into their section, and that's the be-all and end-all of it. I mean, they, they must have been aware of that, that those uh, rules and regulations to a certain extent, but do you think perhaps that there was uh, an element of surprise as well? You say to a certain extent there, um, in terms of the awareness... 100% there was a an, an element of surprise in that they didn't know. For example, I could there's a, a guy who, who, who I won't name who I play five-a-side football with in Cologne every week, massive Cologne fan, 
came over. I was spending some time with him yesterday, and he was stunned about the fact that there is just no culture at all of away fans being in, in home areas at all. I, I can recall to you on several occasions when I've been at big games in, in Germany in the, in the Bundesliga in, in the past two seasons, and I've seen, for example, Schalke fans in with the Borussia Dortmund fans, not in the south stand, not in the Zutribuna. Otherwise, yes, I really would be a little bit fearful for them. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I have still, it, it, it happens. It is, it is more to, I wouldn't say it is a rugby atmosphere, but it is more towards that in terms of the acceptance of it at least. So I don't think they were expecting it. And I think I, I, would, I would say that once they did, the ones that I, I've spoken to, and indeed there were stories of friends of friends as well, who, who were saying that as soon as they realised that was the case, then they started changing their wallpapers on their phones to avoid detection because they just wanted to go to this game so badly, buying Arsenal scarves as well, mm. leaving their cologne shirts back in the in the hotel as well. They, like, it, it does, I think, come back to the first point that we're making in terms of how big a game this was. I think Arsenal fans maybe just see it as, OK, I, 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 even then I think I'm being broad brushstroke. Uh, it does a broad brushstroke that... I, I, I don't think it's right to just say Arsenal fans. I think that perhaps some fans may not have realised that this is not like a game for Borussia Dortmund or for Bayern Munich. This is huge. Mm. This is a one-off occasion. This was a cup final. You can see that that was the case in terms of what they were paying in terms of their ticket prices. That there were Arsenal fans selling tickets which should have cost, or face value would have cost, uh, 17 or £20. And instead, they were selling them on for over 100 quid. And Cologne fans were happy to pay that just because this was the moment to see them, to, to see them just so short after being relegated five years ago and the club looking mm. like it was in disarray. Um, to, to see this was 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 the completion of a fairy tale, even just being there. And I think you could tell that by the spirits that the Cologne fans were in at the end. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that in your Twitter thread where you say there are fans paying a hundred pounds for twenty pound tickets. From speaking to them, have they explained to you where they got those tickets from or how they got those tickets from other Arsenal fans? Yes, they did. Um, one website that I've heard mentioned was Ticket Biz. Um, the that they were telling me that they successfully managed to get tickets through. So that kind of website that mm. you via GoGo-esque um, way was was the way that Arsenal fans, I think, were doing it. Um, and yeah, I, it's quite, quite, quite simple in, in, in that regard, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I suppose that there would have been a, a fair bit of focus, particularly in the stages before the match where it was unclear if it was going to go ahead after the delay was announced and, and when the authorities were trying to get a handle on the situation, there was quite a focus on some of the the bad behaviour of the Cologne fans from being in there with them. How widespread was that? And obviously, I know you're, you're predisposed uh, to, to those fans, and it, it does seem like it was a small minority all the same. I think, I think it was a small minority, and I still don't think that excuses the actions of that small minority, uh, particularly... In, in the direction of, of the stewards and any fans that they did indeed harm um, because yeah you and I know and I think all reasonable things people thinking no uh, that, that that place just has no place anywhere in uh, in society let alone football yeah. um, but it was it was most definitely a minority as as I've said in the thread like, there is this hardcore uh, 
there is this hardcore faction of Cologne fans that have been known to get into trouble before, that have stormed the pitch, for example, at Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, after they lost 1-0 in white boiler suits and everything looked rather menacing there, who stormed the pitch mm. after they were relegated in 2012 and this huge black this black cloud of, 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 of smoke was released um, from the uh, from, from, from the south stand. Yeah. But there are people, there is that crossover in terms of it, it is not as black and white as as they they just do bad things because sure. because they are also the same people who were making these uh, anti anti Nazi kind of protests in terms of earlier this year in terms of the banners that they hold up. Uh, it's just that they feel sometimes I think that they can do what they want and, and be unchallenged in, in in that sense. So it's 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 not quite as, as black and white I, I think, but yeah. equally uh, it, it's very difficult. I, I, I say very difficult. You can't defend. You can't defend what, sure. what what certain people have done last night. There were some reports uh, that that Cologne fans were using Nazi salutes, and I think in some ways it's an easy thing to throw at German football fans, particularly if you want to highlight the the trouble that they get into. But as you said, I think my understanding of what the Cologne fans are they're they're much more a left leaning bunch and have been involved in uh, LGBT and anti-racism protests down the years. Um, and certainly when it comes to Nazi salutes, English football fans have had their, their issues as well. Uh, how do you view that? Or how would the Cologne fans um, react if this was the way that they were being portrayed? don't think that they would be very happy at all. But I think that it's also... As, as you as you say yourself, I think it's a bit dangerous and a, bit, a little bit too easy in terms of to just say the Cologne fans mm. because you 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 and I know we watch enough football and 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 uh, yeah, you see it in terms of the way that Arsenal is at the moment. Merely saying Arsenal fans does not quite sum up the situation. For example, with how people view Arsene Wenger, sure, um, like that that very that there are loads of different factions here um, at play. Um, I still find the accusations of Nazi salutes very, very difficult um, to believe. Um, I, I, I really, I really struggle with that. Um, but I, 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 it's, I don't think that Cologne fans would be particularly happy with that mm. uh, portrayal. But then again, f- f- find, find me a find me a group of right-thinking fans who would be happy with that portrayal. Would be sure. would be my response. Um, sure. So yeah. Well, look. I mean, I think the, the, in the end, it, it it despite the troubles and despite the troubles inside the ground, despite the fact that you know certain people felt very uh, discommoded by what happened. Certainly, Arsenal fans who bought tickets and and uh, and families in particular, I think, were kids who found the situation a little bit difficult to deal with and and took the option to to leave the ground rather than be exposed to it. When it, when it came right down to it, there was an atmosphere. There was something in there that was quite uh, a positive thing um, because the away fans make a lot of noise. The home fans respond to that noise and it creates an atmosphere inside the stadium. Uh, going forward to the, the reverse fixture between Cologne and Arsenal, is this something perhaps that could open lines of communications between both the clubs 
as to how to manage uh, what goes on there, but also between the two sets of fans. Because when it came right down to it, there was no real aggro. There was some scuffles, there were some disturbances, but I've seen reports of people saying the Cologne fans were great, they created a good atmosphere for the most part, they were in there to have a good time and to watch their team, and perhaps there are things that both sets of fans can learn from each other. I would be stunned if Arsenal fans are not coming back from Cologne in November saying how warmly welcomed they were. Uh, that is, that, that is, I mean, they just wanted to make friends last night. I saw in a pub uh, a, a large group of Cologne fans who who were all singing a song, and then it was over to the two Arsenal fans who were in the <laughs> middle of them, which was quite a comical sight, to respond. Um, and they were very much enjoying that. And and, and whenever a German uh, fan was, was or, or whenever a Cologne fan was was threatening to, to speak over them, kind of one of the uh, of the, of the ringleaders of, of the singing was was hushing them. It was hushing them. It was because it, it was time to give the Arsenal fans the respect they needed to, to sing their songs. Um, so from I from what I saw in, in in that direction, I think that there are already kind of good relations and, and, and the Cologne fans, they they don't want any aggro with with the Arsenal fans, uh, if, if, we're, if we're to speak in, in, in broad brushstrokes. I think that they all just want to really kind of experience this and, and make the most of, of playing against Arsenal because they realise that this is not going to come along every season for them. Mm. So I, I, I would expect there to be a, a very good atmosphere in Cologne and I don't think that Cologne fans are going to hold anything towards Arsenal fans. The ones who I've talked to, I, I, I said, I asked them how how was the game, and, and, and they're just raving to me about the atmosphere, and, and, and they really, really couldn't care less about the result. The result would have been a, a massive bonus, yeah. But they're just kind of delighted to have been to, to the Emirates to have watched their beloved Cologne play. Um, because that's not something they would have imagined doing competitively five years ago when they're playing Arsenal uh, in, in a friendly. So, yeah, in, in, in that regard, I think they're still basking very much in, in the Globes, having having seen Cologne play in that in that sort of arena. All right. Well, I think uh, I think the thing to do before the uh, the Cologne game away is to get Lucas Podolski up on a stage. He can lead the sing song and get everybody in in good spirits. <laughs> Bring him over from that, Japan. That. Would certainly uh, that would certainly bring the house down in Cologne. That uh, he brings the house down at any time in Cologne. That that man is everywhere. He's plastered across the city. Whether it's in in murals, whether it's selling chewing gum at the airport, like you see his face. Kind of, he he is very much face. No no player comes close to matching him. All right, in well. terms of that in terms of that status. So uh, I think yeah, if. if if Prince Poldi, as he is known in the city, was was to make a return from Japan, I think that would be uh, that that would be met very warmly indeed by the Cologne fans, and uh, I'm sure the Arsenal fans would enjoy it. Too. For sure, for sure, it would be. Listen, uh, we will let you get back to Cologne and uh, recover from, I'm sure, what has been an interesting trip for you, Archie. Great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to Archie. You can find him on Twitter at Archie RT One. That's at Archie RT One, and. Uh, Interesting to get the uh, the uh, Cologne perspective on things. We're going to be back with more. I'm going to chat to Amy Lawrence about what went on last night and a quick look ahead to the Chelsea game right after this. Arsenal Football Club today released a statement condemning Cologne fans for their behaviour before the pan-European Vars clash at the Emirates Stadium. 
There was both vexation and shenanigans, leaving home fans aghast. Chairman Sir Chips Keswick said, Tickets anybody, anybody looking for tickets? Got some spare tickets here, mate? You need a ticket, mate? I've got loads of them. Seriously, loads of tickets. Well above face value. Anybody looking for tickets? Um, I mean... Oh, that's terrible. What, what happened? Absolutely should not happen, and we will investigate thoroughly. You have my word. Um, look over there. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Arsenal's first foray into the Europa League was certainly eventful. With me to discuss what happened before the game, during the game, after the game, and a bit of Chelsea as well, I'm delighted to welcome to the show, as always, Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Hello, Andrew. Um, Where to even start with that? We knew the Europa League was going to be a bit different, but I don't think anybody was quite expecting what we got last night. The football we might come to in a few minutes' time, but obviously what happened outside the stadium and inside the stadium is the unusual part of a European game last night. There are obviously a lot of conflicting emotions about this one because on the one hand, it was an absolute shambles that this situation was allowed to develop and that so many Cologne fans were allowed to to get into the uh, to the end to the Arsenal end and into the stadium on the other hand it did create this kind of different atmosphere in, inside the stadium which very often isn't the place where you would uh, you would see such an atmosphere uh, what what were your thoughts on it from somebody who was in there and watching it and what went on you touched upon a lot of correct things there um and by saying conflicting emotions, I think that's really important. Um, also, when you get a crowd of of the best part of 60,000 people, however many exactly turned up, um, you're going to get – and something strange happens. You're going to get a whole range of different emotional responses uh, and reactions. And some people probably had a bit of an experience last night that made them go home feeling – uh, a bit shook up or upset or provoked or something negative. And others, I think, came away and thought, wow, that was that was kind of mad, but, but quite fun and engaged with uh, what you said was it was an unusually sort of vibrant, um, kind of slightly old-fashioned atmosphere from what we're used to in modern English stadia now um, that brings into question all sorts of, bigger ideas about fan culture and what it's turned into. Yeah. Um, my, I suppose my main 
feeling really is just quite glad and relieved that a situation that might have been potentially a whole heap worse ended up being really not an enormous deal. And I think that there are there is an awful lot of good fortune about that. Um, mm. I think that the, the first thing is we should consider ourselves lucky that the situation that happened last night occurred with possibly two of the best clubs it could have involved. Um, Arsenal supporters at the Emirates in particular, it's a fairly steady, placid kind of a place in general. So even though some people might have either got upset or had a big inconvenience of not being able to get in properly, not being able to get home, possibly having to even abandon. I'm not I'm not for one moment suggesting it wasn't tricky in a big way for a lot of people. If you had kids there, that's a difficult one to manage for obvious reasons. Um, but, but in terms of it escalating into something bigger, it might have done at other grounds that it didn't with the Arsenal fan base. So I thought in general conducted themselves extremely well uh, circumstances suppose it's fair to say as well Amy it it might have happened you know had it had it been the other way around there'll be Arsenal fans who'll make the case that that they probably wouldn't have been treated in the same way that the Cologne fans were treated last night Uh, but I also think that the Cologne fans you know as visiting fans some perspective and context is really necessary here this is a a big club um, very well supported club but a club that has not enjoyed a lot of success in the last uh, couple of decades. And, you know, to be in Europe for the first time in 25 years was an absolutely massive deal. And I think what went on in terms of the Cologne fan base is something that you can compare to. I mean, funnily enough, I was thinking about this a bit last night. It reminded me slightly of when Arsenal went to Copenhagen in 1994 and played against Palmer in the Cup Winners' Cup final. Obviously, it's different. It's a final, it's neutral territory and so on. But there were absolutely... I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 Arsenal fans that travelled over for that match. Not, not everybody had tickets, uh, although a lot managed to get into the ground one way or, or the other. And there was just this gigantic sort of, the word invasion was used a little bit last night. Um, mm. I'm not sure how much I approve of that specific term with its connotations, but you get the gist of it. It was just this kind of huge arrival of a, a massive bunch of people. And I, I don't live so far from, from the stadium and, even from around three or four o'clock in the afternoon, there was uh, a clearly very different vibe to pretty much any game I've ever seen <laughs> since I was moved to the Emirates. There were just tons and tons and tons of Cologne fans around on sort of all sorts of street corners, just hanging about, been to the off license or whatever, having a drink, maybe trying to find something to eat, meeting up with their mates, just having that pre-match big European game vibe and there was no negativity there was no no concerns that I noticed in in the kind of mid-afternoon just just around about town and then it kind of cranked up a bit around six o'clock when uh, I headed down to the stadium I thought I'd go go a bit earlier than I normally would for for a a game Um, obviously most home fans tend not to arrive till maybe half an hour minutes before kickoff or even later still to try and get entry into the ground. And I thought, oh, there's a lot of people around. I'll go a bit early. And trying to cross the uh, the Danny Fisman Bridge, which is obviously where the, the majority of fans would go because that's near their entrance. Um, suddenly, oh, yeah, I got halfway across and then there was a 
police line and a crowd of about 50 deep of mostly Cologne fans stood there. Uh-huh, okay, this is different. Um, sort of wriggled my way through uh, and got to the front and uh, managed to talk my way uh, into into getting some access. Um, but obviously the majority of people were, were still there. Yeah, And that clearly built that 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 sort of you know if you it's annoying if you're standing there trying to get into a ground two hours before kickoff remember or the original kickoff time yeah so it's pretty early for that kind of crowd management stroke congestion situation to be building and you just knew then that there was something unusual going on um i'm you know it sounds like it, it turned into a really complicated situation to, to manage outside the ground from the point of view of what to do with all these fans who had tickets who didn't. Cause you know, by then you're, you're talking about kind of a, a thousand fans or so just all kind of standing shoulder to shoulder in a big sort of crowd. Like how do you begin to establish on a, on a, a walkway that's about the width of a motorway with a couple of lines of police who has a ticket and who doesn't even before you get to the turnstiles or which end they should be in or <laughs> it was tricky. And I, I have a lot of sympathy, not just for the fans, particularly the Arsenal fans who weren't expecting a situation like that. Um, but but also for the stewards and for the police and for the clubs and for UEFA, who quite quickly realised what we're going to do here. And this is where I think that, that again, the luck that it didn't escalate into something more difficult was really important. A, because perhaps different sets of fans, it might have really kicked off outside badly. Um B, I think somebody on high, and I don't know who it is, but I compliment them, took the executive decision rightly or wrongly, and there will be an inquiry and everyone can argue the toss about the rights and wrongs and what happened and whether it will happen again. But somebody took the decision, it seemed, the Cologne fans go this way and the Arsenal fans go that way. And obviously that was a difficult one from the point of view of any Arsenal fan who had a ticket in the clock end. Um, yeah. It was lower tier upper tier or club level or family enclosure um because um you know there were a few people that we heard from afterwards who had been in those areas who asked to move or moved of their own volition and again another stroke of luck this was not a it might have been a sellout game but it was not a game with sixty thousand people who wanted to come to the stadium yeah or it didn't look that way anyway so there was still a few empty seats now if it was a massive game where you would expect everybody to come and there's an extra 17,000 t- uh, ticketless fans sort of loitering around outside. You've got a massive problem on your hands. But the fact that there was some natural movement that was that was achievable so that they could sort of redirect the Cologne fans towards one end and Arsenal fans who wanted to be somewhere else could get themselves there, I think, if they needed to, allowed for the game to take place sort of relatively safely. Yeah. Um, and there were little pockets of, you know, the Cologne fans were all over the place, it seemed. And apart from the odd little moment where people got a bit provoked about whether or not they should be in that end or this end, I don't think there was any serious issues. Uh, and in the main, I think people kind of got on with it, yeah. um, which is, a sort of get, again, a bit of a credit to everybody. But I think it was it was really, you know, they... they that decision and it was a brave one because had it gone wrong and you've got people in the wrong sections and what have you again you could have ended up with it with a really really difficult situation and we were lucky that nothing particularly materialized that was you know genuinely upsetting 
again, when you're analysing it all properly, and it will be somebody else somewhere took the decision that the stewards do not have time to do the regular searches. And where you, anybody who's gone to a game in the last sort of year or so at the Emirates will know there's quite big queues. You would expect to have your bag searched if you've got one, which lots of people do in the, of an evening game. Mm. And you would expect to be patted down um, by someone sort of doing a, some sort of form of body search. And those things were not happening because once the game had been delayed by an hour and they were trying to manage the crowd situation outside, it became apparent that if they wanted to try and create this 905 kickoff, they've got to get everyone in the ground. And they didn't have time. So, again, apart from a few flares being lit, which is against the rules and there'll be a fine, it keeps in perspective, people. You know, nobody got hurt with the flares or we didn't get anybody or what have you. So, uh, in the end, it was a good game. Um Everybody more or less came through with no major disasters. Yeah. Um, I think you go away, you learn from it, you think about what can be done better. You ask yourself whether in certain situations like this, maybe if a club like in that situation wants loads of tickets, perhaps you can, a bit like an FA Cup, allocate them, and it's a bit of a fag to redirect people who would normally be sitting in those situ- in those seats. But it's better pre-organised if possible. Um, I don't know what you do otherwise yeah. with a load of... Uh, it, the club admitted they knew, they'd had conversations and they knew there were a lot of fans coming without tickets. Yeah, they did They did release a statement this morning and they said that they ensured no tickets that were sold, uh, no tickets were sold on general sale and no red memberships that were purchased after the draw were able to get tickets in the home end for this match. So there was a lot of talk about how Cologne fans had registered as members and bought tickets that way. So it seems they might oh, have no. cut off that avenue. That's what they've, they've said in a statement this morning. Um, Yeah, they were saying that last night. And I must admit, looking around the ground, I found myself just mystified, thinking if that didn't happen, how the hell did the sheer numbers of people get coming? Are there really that many touts? Well, that's what they've said. It just seems totally illogical to me. And if there there are that many touts, then bloody hell, somebody's making a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it raises questions about how tickets are <laughs> but, being used, uh, right? Or, or how fans, maybe Arsenal fans, are dealing with their tickets. That's what Arsenal said in their statement. Many tickets were sold through touts, and this is very disappointing. But, of course, there are these... Uh, w- when we think of touts, we think uh, of the, the, the dude outside the 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 station you know with his coat and his tickets and you know anyone buying or selling tickets that kind of guy but you know there are other ways for touts to operate these days uh, online in particular some websites with a veneer of respectability are essentially just touts uh, themselves and and that could be an avenue that the club have got to pursue as well i guess so i mean i don't i, I don't know how they they begin to start with that but i mean uh, obviously when you have paper tickets in the old days uh, um, it, it, it was very straightforward. I've always felt that the introduction of these plastic sort of cards where clearly if you're a season ticket, there's supposed to be 40-odd thousand season ticket holders. So by the looks of it, when you look at things, that some of those season tickets you assume would have fallen in the hands of Cologne fans. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, uh, I I and a bunch of my friends, you know we, know, we know lots of people who have big groups of season tickets and... Um, if somebody can't come or a couple of people can't come and obviously not everybody wants to go to Europa League unfortunately it's the way it is you don't think I'm a fan I'm going to be there no matter who you play against or what the situation is people have to juggle all sorts of things in their lives and pick and choose Mm. Um, but if somebody rang me up and said oh um, 
my mate, uh, I know a couple of people in their Cologne fans would really like to go to the game. Like, can, you know, can they use your ticket if you're not going? And and they're they're nice, pe- respectable people that you probably know and trust. Would you? You'd probably say, yeah, all right. You know, give yeah. us the whatever twenty quid for the game. Just don't be an idiot and go and have fun. Um, I don't know. Is that right or wrong? Uh, who wants to be the moral arbiter of that? I think that it's great if people who want to go and see a football game can go and see a football game. Um, obviously, you want everybody to be safe and secure. Are we grown up enough that people can sit in different parts of the ground and not have a fight? You'd like to think so. Um, you know, in Germany, culturally, it's a lot more acceptable to have unsegregated areas, so they're much more used to it than we are. There's a, there's a whole range of... Yeah. of, of sub questions and sub texts and sub layers that come into play and i just think we all need to have a real good think about it yeah um and try and find sort of workable solutions no i think i think you're right i mean but you're right culturally it is different in germany and the way that football has been managed in england in particular since uh, the taylor report and all cedar stadiums there has been such a big emphasis on segregation and keeping fans away from each other. Uh, And in some ways, that's self-perpetuating. It creates that kind of culture where any idea, the idea of sharing any space with an opposition fan, whether they're in good spirits or not, is anathema to to many people. And, you know, there are people who will try and cause trouble if they're in the wrong end. I think you're right to stress the element of luck that was involved in, in last night. Uh, I think there are big questions for for everybody to answer. Arsenal, Cologne, the police. Uh, But I think overall, the way it was managed, they got away with it. And thankfully, there were no real incidents. But, you know, if it were a set of fans who weren't just there to be exuberant and enjoy their first European game for 25 years, who were actually making a concerted effort to to go there and cause trouble. And we know that there are those elements uh, at some football clubs, particularly in in parts of Europe, then it might not have been as uh, as lucky, I guess, is the word I want to go for there. But certainly a lot for for everybody to process. Um, Should we talk about what happened on the pitch? I think we probably should. That that would be decent. Because uh, a, a very poor first half from Arsenal... I think in in some ways a little bit unlucky to be behind, uh, although there are questions to be asked over the first goal, but uh, very much a tale of two halves. What Arsenal didn't do in the first half, they did a lot of in the second half. And for me, as I said in the blog this morning, I don't think there's any coincidence whatsoever that Arsenal's performance improved as soon as they went to a back four and put the extra man in midfield. Yeah, absolutely. And and having read your blogs and heard, you know, some of the, uh, the the podcasts and so on in recent weeks. I think yourself and James um, have been sort of singing the song that really anybody who watches Arsenal regularly must know the tune to by now, which is, oh my God, this midfield, what the hell is going on? I mean, it, <laughs> I, I can't recall in the best part of about four decades um, watching Arsenal a midfield, like a regular midfield situation that is quite so uh, so flat, so easily stretched, so quickly overrun. Um, I just think it's an, it's such a massive, massively crucial part of the pitch to try and get right. Mm. And when you look at the, uh, at the options available 
to Arsene Wenger and the squad that he has built for this season, it it just doesn't look like a midfield that has the correct balance or fundamental power or um, kind of good tactical sense uh, to command games, to dominate games. You've got to dominate a game from midfield sometimes. And if you can't dominate it, you've got to dig in and just hang on in there. And yeah. that's not really what Arsenal's current selection of midfielders is designed to do, it seems. Um, and I think that, you know, with it's, it's asking a lot of a player like Alex Iwobi, who's not, probably not everybody's idea of a, of a central midfield player. And now Nenny, who is a good squad player, but probably not everybody's idea of a, a top-class guy who's going to win you the league playing every week, um, to command central midfield. Um, it's hard enough for Granit Xhaka and Aaron Ramsey, who have a lot more experience playing in that, in that particular part of the pitch. Uh, at, at a higher level for a longer time. Um, so I don't know quite how Arsenal, for the longer term, deal with that. Mm. I, I did think that it was really, really noticeable when Jack Wilshire came on. Yeah. It was almost, oh yeah, this is this is good to see, uh, to see like someone in that position who really knows what it's all about and can, can, can put some personality some strong personality into that part of the pitch, even though obviously Jack is still rusty and there will be concerns about his fitness and ability to um, sustain uh, a good run of form until he can prove uh, uh, and get a good run, good run in the side. So um, it's a, I think that's an area where I've still got big question marks um, going to the back four helped because Kolasinac and uh, Bellerin in a more authentic position pushing up um, it felt a bit more natural uh, the kind of support that they could give when they when they were able to be more like auxiliary midfielders than so there was a better better balance there but I think once that midfield area was sorted or was a bit better it does give the whole team a better platform from which to attack with a little bit more uh, ambition. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the the overall performance in the second half was really positive. Uh, you know, the first half, there was a, a lot to be desired in the first half. And, and players, I just don't think players look comfortable or as comfortable as they should in that back three. Uh, and I do think the extra body in midfield really helps because there's more options uh, for the men at the back. Uh, when, they, when they're looking to pass the ball, there were moments when Rob Holding had it and he didn't know what to do with it because there was nobody looking for the ball from him. El Nenny was the same at times and uh, just having that extra body in there made a, a big difference. Alexis Sanchez, um, I, I guess that was in some ways the, the perfect summation of what Alexis Sanchez can be as a footballer frustrating wasteful at times uh, and we know he is rusty and he's trying to find his touch again but just capable of moments of outstanding brilliance and that that goal that finish was just superb because if you're a central defender and you're you're showing Alexis Sanchez away from goal uh, moving him back from the edge of the box and he he does what he did there I mean you'd be going mad uh, trying to figure out how he did it. it was a brilliant goal Absolutely. And um, I, it was a funny one because, you know, watching, especially in the first half, watching the game, and you, and you couldn't help thinking, like, what's he thinking? What's going on in his head? And 
I think we've all seen enough of Alexis Sanchez to know that he he, he just does seem that type. Whatever's going on pitch, whether he's frustrated or whether he's on it or anywhere in between, um, he's kind of in his own little zone of football. You know, he's, he's as, as if he just exists. It's like a little force field and whatever else is going on is sometimes something else. He's a bit otherly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Alexis. Is he thinking, what, what's going on? Like, I could be somewhere else, shall we say. Um, and here I am, coming back into my own half to pick up the ball with, you know, AZ Maitland-Niles looking for me and, and, and looking up and seeing if Theo Walcott might make a run. And it was all, you could imagine him thinking, I believe it's Thursday night and, I don't think he even thinks like that. Uh, and then and he just, he just, it was such a great moment of classic Sanchez in the second half. As soon as he started hunting that ball down, it was really wide. And it, he had quite a bit of distance to make up to even get to it. And I think most players probably would have given up and let the ball even go out of play before he even started to jink back towards goal. And, uh, and the finish was just delicious. Um, I, I think that anybody thought it was worth booing Alexis Sanchez. I can't, the other day, I'm not sure I quite get what all that's about. I don't think he did an awful lot wrong mm. this summer. Um, in fact, compared to a lot of people in his position, he was very, he was just generally pretty quiet. Didn't really make a lot of noise. The the the, the sad tweet when he wasn't feeling very well in Chile was, <laughs> <laughs> you can interpret that how you like, but that was probably the highlight stroke low light of this sort of, What's you know is Alexis Sanchez going to have the hump sort of scenario, <laughs> and he's just got on with it. And and Arsene Wenger knew, I think, with real confidence that he wasn't going to sulk um, or behave considerably differently, shall we say, than how he might normally. Because we all know he's got that in him where when the when the chips are down and he thinks that the team are not putting their weight, he'll let, let them know. Mm. Uh, and he'll look he'll have that long distance stare and go on his haunches um, but he's, he does, that's what he does that's probably what he was doing when he was seven years old um, the other so the flip side of that is he's just a magnificent player I mean I think Arsenal are lucky to have him yeah uh, I, I would agree and obviously if we need to do things this season I think he's going to be a, a key part of that just very quickly looking ahead to Sunday in Stamford Bridge, it's a big game away from home at a big opponent, not long after the last big game away from home against a big opponent, which did not go particularly well. And Arsenal's record in these games, stretching back to that win over Manchester City a few seasons ago when we won 2-0 uh, at their place, has not been particularly good either. Uh, is this a game that Arsenal simply cannot afford to to lose. I mean, I know we'd all love for us to go there and and uh, play them off the park and win the game. But to me, it feels more like a game that we just can't afford to lose. We've got to get something from this game uh, to to try and answer some of those questions about our character uh, and ability away from home. Your your question just sent me off on a massive tangent. As soon as you talked about that Man City away game, I just went, "Oh, Santi!" <laughs> How wistful the wistful oh, longing for oh, Santi no. Cazorla. Um, Oh, oh, pining for Sandy. Um, uh, Arsenal dare not lose. Yeah, but that, the, I think the, the flip side of that 
is that there's such little expectation. I mean, if Arsenal do lose, what are you going to be thinking? Here we go again. Yeah, but I mean, in some ways, it sounds absurd, but there's probably a tiny bit of pressure off in that I think expectancy is probably quite low of, a, of, a, of, a, of an away win. With, with logic. Um, and even a draw, I think people would be really pleasantly surprised. So some, sometimes when you have those kind of quite low expectations... We know that Arsenal are a team where psychologically there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that team's head. It's quite difficult to process sometimes and seems to impact on their, their performances. You sometimes see them in good, good shape. Everything you say, oh, can they play like that? You know, this is a big one away from home. You know, the opposition are a bit missing this player or that player. I remember that game. Was it at Man United last year or the year before where, probably the year before, where United were really on the ropes a bit and missing players and quite inexperienced and sort of looking there for the taking. And Arsenal were on a little run of form and you thought this could be, you know, this this could be the one where they actually get that, you know, big confidence boosting away win. Uh, and it's like, it was dire. Arsenal just looked terrified and you thought, what is going on in their heads? They just can't manage the, the, the weight of... yeah pressure that a big away game seems to it seems to sap them of it's like some sort of kryptonite thing going on it's yeah. really, really odd um but you kind of have to hope that sooner or later one day they can psychologically get their heads in the right space to not get too strung up with all the things that make them freeze sometimes and, and not play their natural game and not feel relaxed and get a bit tense in these sort of matches and make the kind of mistakes or that tend to get punished or waste the kind of chances that might make a difference. And yeah, sooner or later they've got, they've got to turn that around. And Arsene Wenger was, you know, obviously is asked about this kind of thing a lot and, you know, oh, is Chelsea a sort of bogey, whatever this, that and the other. And, and Although the away thing is the problem, but in fairness, he's right to point out, look, last season Arsenal beat Chelsea handsomely 3-0 at home. Yeah. Uh, probably the best performance a very long time. Won the FA Cup final with another terrific performance, uh, full of steel and determination and resilience and all the qualities that you want to go and win a big away game. Um, and in the charity shield, you know, hung on in there and, and came through on penalties. So if the positive thinking focuses on some of those things, maybe they can try and uh, approach it and not have that same old story. All right. Well, we see. It sounds like we're uh, counting on the law of averages to to get us a result this time, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens on Sunday. Amy, as ever. One thank day, you. Andrew. One day. One day. <laughs> thank you, as ever. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Andrew. You know where to find Amy on Twitter, at AmyLawrence71. That is at AmyLawrence71. And thank you to her, as always. So, we put Europa League behind us, and we've got to focus on Premier League this weekend. It is another big game at a big club away from home, and our record, of course, is not particularly great. 
It's a game from which we have got to get something. We've got to put that record right. We've got to correct it in some small way, even if it is just a point. And I say just in inverted commas because I agree with Amy. If we were to lose, people wouldn't be surprised. They'd just say, well, there you go. That's what Arsenal do in these big games away from home. They lose. But I think we have to get something to try and recalibrate our mentality, our character in these games, and show that we can do it. It's not as if these players can't get results against Chelsea. They beat them 3-0 at the Emirates last season. They won the FA Cup final in May. They uh, won the Community Shield. Of course, it was 1-1 after 90 minutes. There'll be no penalty shootout. But I would take a 1-1 at this point. Stamford Bridge is a different thing, of course. We haven't won there since 2011. That crazy 5-3 game with Andre Santos scoring a goal and John Terry slipping over and all kinds of other things going on. So that's a long time. Last season was not a good result there. 3-1 we went down. Uh, Eden Hazard scoring one of the most overrated Premier League goals of all time. People raving about it like it was some kind of Maradona versus England run when in fact it was absolutely shite defending from Arsenal. First and foremost, it was shit defending rather than great skill from from Hazard. Uh, Marcus Alonso also knocked Hector Bellerin unconscious with a flying elbow and nobody seemed to give a shit. They said Bellerin was too soft, that Alonso wanted it more. It wasn't a good day, it wasn't a good result, it wasn't a good performance, and it was another one of those days when things did not go right for us in a big game away from home. We've got to put that right this weekend. We've got to do something to correct this run that we're on. I don't necessarily expect us to win, but I think there are enough players with the quality to get us a draw there. It all depends on how we set up. I really hope it's a back four. I hope it's three in midfield to to offset the weakness that we have in there. Because even last weekend against Bournemouth with Xhaka and Ramsey in the centre of midfield, there were these enormous spaces left behind that a better team, a team better at defending and a team better at moving the ball quickly out of their defensive areas would absolutely expose. And Chelsea are one of those teams. That if you uh, see a a move break down and all of a sudden the ball comes to Fabregas in all that space and he's got Hazard and he's got Morata and Willian and whoever the fuck else ahead of him, chances are you're going to get punished. So I really think we need to move that extra man into midfield. If we do, I think we'll be a bit more secure defensively. Not 100%, but I just think the players are more comfortable with four at the back. I think it suits the players that we have better. And the midfield issue in particular is one that can only be solved by an extra body because it's clear we're not doing it through instruction or through coaching or or what players are being asked or directed to do during games. So uh, if we go with a three at the back and if we have Xhaka and Ramsey in midfield, I've got some real worries about the way that this game will end up. But... Hopefully, we can come away with a point. We need at least a point from this game. After Anfield, we've got to show that we can learn. We've got to show that we've got more about us in these games away from home, that it isn't just a psychological disorder at this point, that we've got the character and the stones and the the ability to deal with it. Um, of course, we'll find out soon enough. We'll find out on Sunday, uh, lunchtime kickoff there. And uh, I'll keep everything crossed in the meantime. Uh, I'm going to leave it here, though. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra. We will discuss everything that happens at Stamford Bridge. I don't think there's any midweek football next week, as far as I'm aware. And then, of course, we've got a free weekend because it is a, a Monday night fixture uh, the week after, which is, of course, a pain in the hole. But there you go. What can we do? But uh, get on with it. Those are the uh, cards and fixtures we have been dealt. So, look, have a great weekend, everyone. 
everyone let's keep everything crossed for Sunday that we can get something from this Chelsea game and uh, I'll chat to you next week thank you as ever cheers bye bye Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.